welcome to Academic Conversation. I'm Alicia. I'm Mary. And this is Merton and Morgan. And tonight we have a special podcast where we actually have a conversation with Tani McGregor, the author of Ink and Ideas. And tonight we discuss her book and her thoughts behind the book of visual thinking and sketch noting. And we hope that you enjoy it as much as we enjoyed creating it. Okay, Tanny. So our first question for you is why visual thinking and why now? Why is it important to you right now? Well, I think visual thinking has always been important to me, even before I knew what to call it um, and was even aware that it was something I, you know, enjoyed using and it helped me. Um, so if I think back from long ago when I was a kid, uh, I always loved it when I had an option in school or in Sunday school or in Girl Scouts or something like that to um, express myself in a visual way, Um, even if it was just um, creating something on paper or creating something out of paper or um, having the chance to do something different from what everybody else was doing, just where I could sort of personalize it and put my creative spin on it. I've always enjoyed those kinds of things. But I think bigger than that now, I'm realizing just from reading the research about how many benefits I even, you know, unbeknownst to myself, was really reaping from from engaging in that kind of thinking. And um, so I, as a teacher, I also tried to make sure that there are opportunities in my classroom for kids to engage in visual thinking but again like and not until the past few years have I really had the um, time and I guess passion building up over time to investigate all of this and know what research says about it and what other people are doing and really with the advent of social media and especially Twitter, it's so easy to get ideas from other people and see what other people are doing and, you know, immediately apply it with teachers and kids I'm working with. So I think it's been a long journey for me discovering all this, and even now I feel like I'm just scratching the surface. But you asked, uh, the second part of your question was why now? I think besides just my own personal interest in, in visual literacy and visual thinking, I have realized how important it is in the lives of our students and the families we serve just from thinking about how we all communicate with each other and kids preferences when given the choice um, in class I also think about things I've read like there was um, an article I read by um, Louise Story where she said that if you live in a, an urban area you're likely to encounter like around 5,000 images every day um, when I hear things like that, it seems like, wow, that's that's such a huge number. How could that be possible? And then I start to look at myself, how I communicate, and, and my own children, and I realize, yeah, that's that's really true. So so I think for me, it's, it's sort of two-pronged. It's a personal quest, uh, a line of inquiry for me, and also it's something that I realize is really important right now. Um, for all of us as we discover how visual we've really become. Okay, and Alicia and I noticed in your book and also when we were fortunate to have the chance to hear you speak at Ohio University that you used the words decelerate and de-stress. 
And I was wondering, yeah, that really struck a chord with us because, you know, we're in schools every day and we just uh, wondered if that had something also to do with it coming to the forefront now. Well, well, again, I, I can use a lot of both of those things, more of those in, things in my life, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think yes, yes and yes, um, when it comes to just um, realizing that we've got to We've got to slow down sometimes in order to give kids a space where they can think. Um, Sketchnoting or using some outlet for visual thinking certainly can do that for us. It gives us a room to exhale. It gives us room to really be metacognitive and reflect over, you know, our thinking or whatever we've been reading or viewing or listening to. There's even a little part in my book, in Ink and Ideas, um, on page 10, actually, where I talk about how there have been some studies that actually show how we can reduce stress and sort of calm ourselves down um, when we're making a, a visual representation. So, So it's one of those things where you sort of maybe have a hunch about how that helps you if you're um, drawing or sketching or creating something. And then when you see studies that are are proving that, um, that sort of, it all comes together and really helps you form your beliefs. So I, I definitely think that most of us would agree that we need all the help we can get with slowing ourselves down these days. Um, yes. And actually just being able to focus our thinking. And I think visual note-taking really does that for us. I agree. I would agree. Can you give us some background around the research involving visual thinking and memory? Mm-hmm, sure. Well, um, the first study that I ever heard about that got my attention was um, the study that I think the actual title is What Can Doodling Do? Mm-hmm. And it's Jackie Andrade and in her study, you know, she found, and I'm speaking in generalities here, but her findings included things like that you can actually keep yourself from daydreaming and you can actually focus more. And then she had a, a quantified part of her study where she found that you remember around 29% more if you make some kind of a visual representation while you're listening. And um, I remember seeing that study and feeling like, oh, I'm so glad that this has come to the forefront, like that people are paying attention to this. And so that's why at the be- towards the beginning of my book, I spent quite a bit of time just sort of going, exploring the why behind sketchnoting. And there are, there's a little section for each of what I think are the major benefits. And um, on page, page seven, going on to page eight, there's a section about, uh, a section about memory where it talks about how First of all, you don't have to be artistic. You don't even have to think of yourself as, you know, a creative or a visual artist or anything. There's still benefits to be had. But it, it's just that it makes our experience of reading or listening to something or viewing something a, a whole lot stickier. Um, it's almost like, you know, two sides of the Velcro coming together in the brain. So I think many of the students I work with, you know, I, I try to talk to them about the benefits of doing this and I want kids to understand the why but sometimes you don't know how much that really means to them but when they are experiencing it and start to see how they're um, able to hold on to content remember more and remember it longer I think it sort of almost like sells itself (laughs) because it starts to start to realize how it is 
having a, a positive effect on, you know, how they approach like reading content, for example, they can hold on to a lot more. And have you had kids actually make that connection to have they articulated that that they notice that they remember more? Yes, I have had kids say things like, and one thing I want to start doing more often is jotting down, you know, quotations from kids, like (laughs) verbatim about what kids say, but I'll have, frequently I'll have kids be able to tell me, like intermediate grades, this is the first time I've ever cared about my note taking, or this is the first time I've ever thought about what I was writing down. Before this, I was just copying, Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, secondary kids who are like in a rush to catch every word a teacher says during a lecture or jot down everything quickly that they're looking at on a PowerPoint slide or something like that. Um, So I think kids start to realize quickly that it's more thinking intensive and they're, they're putting more into it on the front end. And so then, you know, the payoff is greater later on. Yeah, absolutely. And and then sometimes, sometimes kids will just say, it's just so fun. (laughs) There's a great benefit there, too. And And they're right. With some of the younger kids I work with, uh, just the ability to make choices about materials, that's motivating. And the ability to make choices about how you use your space on the page, um, all the opportunities for for, you know, choice and, um, like I said earlier, like putting some design into what you do, all of that can be, um, you know, so so enticing to kids uh, that they're building a, a, you know, it's like they're creating a pleasurable experience around the learning, and we know that's that has many benefits, too. Yes. Uh, Tani, I'm just shaking my head with everything you're saying from the tools to the choices to the space on the paper. I completely agree. I work with mostly younger children, and that is so true. They love to make those decisions, and the earlier that we can make learning engaging and exciting, they're just they're not going to dread school. So I, I love hearing you say that. All right. You said the word doodling when you were talking about the study. Can you tell us what is the difference between sketchnoting and doodling? Because I think people can be sometimes confused about that. Or is there a difference? Yeah, and... You know, it's not a sticking point for me. It's not something that I would point out to someone if they're interchanging those words when they're talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've read many books about visual note-taking and doodling, and, and um, you know, there are a lot of things that we could say that overlap, like using visual features and making your mark on the page and just sort of allowing yourself to express what's on your mind in a more personal way. I mean, all those things would be common. Uh, I sort of, when I'm talking with kids and teachers, I sort of uh, differentiate between the two um, because I think, for me at least, doodling would be more on the side of making a repeated shape or writing the same word or phrase over and over, sort of a mindlessness to it. But I'm not saying that they're, you know, that's not beneficial. Like that, that in and of itself can help us focus. And I, I doodle all the time. Um, like especially like if I'm on the phone or I, I still can think and talk to someone, but I can doodle at the same time. Okay. And it actually is a, a preemptive measure to keep me focused. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say sketch noting. I usually use that term. Uh, with regard to merging our thinking with the thinking of someone else. So merging our thinking with an author. 
when we're reading something or being read to. Merging our thinking with the thinking of an artist who, you know, painted something and we're viewing something and sketchnoting or listening to the lyrics of a song. So I think of sketchnoting more of mixing our thinking in with whatever it is we're learning about. And so it might have more content in it, but it wouldn't be quite as mindless. It would be more focused and our uh, representation of our actual thinking. So it might be easier with sketchnoting than doodling to go back and remember also what you were thinking about when you were making your sketch notes, right? Um, yeah, I think so. Okay. I mean, it could be that someone's doodling and actually it's going to help them still, um, you know, their memory be enhanced about mm-hmm. what they were, you know, in conversation about or, or something like that. Um, but I think, you know, if we're going to have students go back and, and look at their sketch notes um, maybe as a way to study or maybe it's going to be just as a way to help prompt them into conversation with with a partner I think there are a lot of like content rich ways we can sketch note that have benefits that are going to help us meet and exceed our our standards and objectives that we have in class so I see it being used in a totally academic way um, and would call it sketch noting or visual note taking in that way and it, it wouldn't look like you said it wouldn't look quite so much like doodling mm-hmm. it would be obviously full of content or details so when you're uh, working with new teachers what would be your advice on how to easily launch a sketch doning lesson well I think what you said like launching it that's really important and just Devoting a little bit of time to sort of notice and name the practice, that's really important. I mean, we can, we can expose kids to it and, and show them some examples and, you know, um, just sort of quickly put it into a lesson or something, and that's all great. Um, but I really love it when given the opportunity to take, take a lesson time, a block of time, even if it's 30, 45, 60 minutes, and introduce this practice to students in a special way where I can express my passion about it and and let's give it a name and let's talk about all the benefits and look at some examples, you know, in color and just with pencil and in social studies or in mathematics and let's look at what it looks like when young kids do it and what practice sketchnote or sketchnotes look like. Um, I think there's a power in sort of blessing it, if you will saying that, yes, this is a practice that is worthwhile and it's worthy of our time and attention and and consideration here as an option for you in the future. So I think just, you know, our willingness to give it some time and um, let kids know about how we feel about the, the strategy, that sends a message to kids too. So if I was launching it with students, uh, I would maybe teach them a few of the features of sketch noting, ensure that everybody's going to be able to participate and feel good about what they're trying and talk about mistakes and how they might help us. Um, but then quickly let kids know that, you know, you can think about yourself and how you feel about using this in the future. And I'm going to offer it up as a choice to you in the future. And I hope some of you, you know, take, take me up on that and give it a try again. And I found that many kids, even most kids, um, are anxious to try it again after that first launching lesson. 
We um, really liked in your book how you said that it's a choice. As you said just now, there might or certainly will be some kids who don't choose to use sketch notes, and that's okay. We really liked that you uh, left it in the hands of the child, and I think that's another thing that would draw them to it. Yeah, um, yeah, well, I think we know and have known for a long time the more choice that we can offer to kids that benefits them greatly and uh, has so many implications with motivation and thinking. But I also think that it's interesting sometimes, sometimes students who think they're not interested in sketchnoting or it's sort of not for them might be visual thinkers when it comes to mathematics or science. And they might be already using some kind of visual thinking in those subjects without even putting it in this category, you know, maybe in a science notebook or Mm -hmm. something like that. So it's good for us to let kids know that this crosses over boundaries. It's not just a reading English language arts thing. You know, it's it's something that you might use in all different circumstances in your life, even outside of school. We talked about new teachers, and the next question seems like it has to be, what about administrators? <laughs> so yeah. how do we make sure, you know... We think that the idea of, of, of giving it an hour to start off and, and helping kids know how important it is, we love that and we definitely agree with that. But sometimes we have administrators who are skeptical or who want there to always be traditional type writing as a product. So how do we convince our administrators that this is something we should really give our kids a chance to do? Yeah, I think a couple of things come to mind, and and I think it's we can look at that as a, a real opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think years ago, if that had happened to me, where maybe an administrator wanted to know like why I was doing this, and uh, you know what are the outcomes going to look like, and how does this fit with our standards and so forth, I might not have been able to articulate it very well. But I think now we've got. So many studies that suggest all the benefits, and I tried to put those all together at the beginning of my book, and fortunately, that's part of the free download that is available on the Heinemann website. So that would be, you know, if a teacher wanted to look, if they didn't have a copy of the book and they still wanted to see what those studies were or read up on that a bit, um, that's available as that free download, so that's really good. That's good but to I know. But the other thing is, just to start to realize, and, and uh, you know, if a teacher's fortunate enough to have time to talk to an administrator about this, about how many brilliant thinkers down through time have kept notebooks of sketch-noted thinking. And, um, you know, thinking of so many examples, but even if you just start with da Vinci, uh, and most people are familiar with what his, his, you know, notebooks looked like with sketches and words and phrases and diagrams, and it definitely wasn't conventional writing. And there are so many people down through time in all different professions who have used paper and pen, and now we have other ways we can express ourselves with devices digitally, um, but have known that that was the way they had to like spill their thinking out on the page to capture it. So I think if we start thinking about how scientists tend to think this way mm-hmm. and mathematicians think this way, then why wouldn't we give that opportunity for kids somehow, even if it's just along in in the process of all the things we already do. So if we're talking about writing, thinking about allowing kids to 
use an idea flood or a one pager just to get all their thinking out as they're starting to draft. Knowing that, for many kids, they're going to have a whole lot more to write about if they've taken some time to sketch it out a bit um, before they start to try to write conventionally. So I think for kids who, especially for kids who might be paralyzed by the thought of writing, you know, by the print, um, or kids who are just really resistant to all the conventions of writing for one reason or another, this is an entry point. This is a way in. I was just thinking about your comment a minute ago, too, about students making comments about how they can remember things better when they sketch note. It would be interesting to have them write almost an exit ticket about sketch noting and maybe mm-hmm. share some of those with an administrator. Yeah, that would be a great, great idea. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, just to, just from a pure feedback standpoint, we get to know a lot more about our kids too. But yeah, it would be interesting to do that after kids have tried the practice a couple of times and then maybe even towards the end of the year when they've had a lot of experience mm-hmm. with it to see how their thinking has changed. Mm-hmm. Tammy, I'm just so excited listening to you because your passion and excitement for this subject really is shown not only in your book, but but through the conversation. And you talked earlier about how you've always been drawn to visible thinking. So how has that changed for you over time? How's that practice changed for you? I think um, it all for me has a lot to do with intentionality. So I'm, I've been teaching for 31 years and I think even in the first few years of my teaching I tried to incorporate a lot of drawing and sketching and creating along the way but sometimes I might not really have known exactly where that fit into what kids needed to know and be able to do I just sort of knew it was a good idea and kids liked it you know like uh, I think the more I learn about it the more intentional I can be about how how I frame um, the use of visual thinking, the purposes behind sketch noting, and when to offer it up, and um, so I think I think I'm better able to articulate to my students now the why behind it, uh, and better able to know just when kids might need to pick up the pen and and make their thinking visible. For example, maybe we are reading a piece of text and we get to a part that's super complex or densely packed with facts, uh, maybe in science or something like that. That would be a great time to sketch note. Or maybe it's that I really am unsure about the background knowledge that kids might have about a certain topic. And so I ask them to uh, flood their ideas on the page before we get started so I can take a, a quick walk around and see what kids are thinking already about the topic. I could also use it for a pre and post just informal little assessment to see um, what their new thinking is after reading or learning about something in a unit. So I think the way I've changed over time, I, I, I don't know that I use this more often, but I use it more intentionally now. I, I can relate to, to what you're saying about that because no matter how great the strategy is, um, really how effective it is, is intentionality of, of how it is used. So I really respect um, what you're saying there because I can see that in the classroom. If, if things are really intentional, the outcomes are more productive and um, the students seem to learn, learn more that way. Yeah. 
Agreed. Well, we've been learning from you for a while now. You know that we um, have read Comprehension Connections, and um, we've used that book so much over the years with teachers and, and with ourselves. Um, and so we're just wondering if you could kind of finish us off with some of your favorite strategies that you've been using consistently with kids and, and teachers. We know that you, you actually you work in schools and congratulations for being um, an educator for that long. That's amazing. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> that says a lot in and of itself. But we're just wondering, what are your top maybe couple of favorites? If I have to think about things I use over and over again and have for a, a long time and will continue to, I would think instantly about just trying to make physical representations of things, like using concrete objects or realia, you might call it. So in addition to sketchnoting, I'm always trying to prompt myself to think of a way to make a physical representation of something that might seem abstract. Mm -hmm. And so my book, Comprehension Connections, was my first attempt to write about any of that. But even, you know, outside of the ideas that are in that book, I'm, if I'm helping a new teacher with a lesson or um, brainstorming with a grade level about how to how to, you know, approach a certain standard or something like that, I try to always remember that there are benefits into benefits to making it concrete. So that would be one thing, to use more concrete objects. And then, this is sort of general, but just as much art and music as I can possibly merge into yeah. what we do together. Yeah. Um, I, I never regret that. I never regret using drawings and paintings and sculpture and photographs um, or using lyrics to songs and, and, you know, using music in a variety of different ways. Yeah, even though I love all those things and, and see the benefits, sometimes when I'm planning, I forget to even, you know, I forget to, to put those into a lesson. So it's a constant reminder for me. Uh, and I have to say, like, in my undergraduate and graduate work, I had some great professors and great courses, but at the same time, I don't think I ever had a class where we investigated those things as fully as I would like to. So it's been sort of a, an independent quest, I guess, uh, over the years, uh, just trying things out with students and knowing that there's power there, but just trying to fine tune the, the way I use all those things. This is Mary, and you're speaking to an ESL teacher who works in a performing arts elementary school. <laughs> so I just want you to know that everything, yes, yes, and yes. And as a matter of fact, recently we were talking to our staff about how to accommodate English learners. And, we, you know, we gave them the strategies that we use, but those strategies work for lots of kids, you know. And so... Realia is a big part of what we use. I love so much that you're saying use that with all kids. They can all use those concrete examples. And what we what we tend to say as ESL professionals is it's good for all kids, but it's essential for our kids. You know, our yeah. kids need it. It's a lifeline for them for their learning and to anchor their conceptual you know development. But it helps all kids. And when we talk about kids who are in poverty, kids who are English learners, kids who have um, learning differences, all of those strategies that, you know, that intersect music and art, those things are right there in that intersection. All those kids can benefit from that. So, yeah. Well said. And I also, I would add to that, that 
it's it's interesting how those things sort of naturally differentiate themselves. Yes. Um, because you might use a concrete object to symbolize something or represent something, and your gifted child or a high-achieving child or a child who's able to think more in more complex ways at the moment is going to make metaphor out of that. You know, right. and they're thinking about how amazing it is that, you know, we can have this representation that looks so simple about something complex. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, I love how you put that, that it's, you know, totally a non-negotiable. It's like essential for some students, mm-hmm. uh, but it's really good for everybody. Yes. Well, we thank you so much for your time. And we're wondering, um, is there anything else that you want to add that we haven't asked you about? Well, I want to say thank you so much <laughs> for your work and interest in this subject and for um, taking time to to explore the chapters in Ink and Ideas through your podcasts and and just all of the work that you do. I'm interested in what you do and, and hope our paths cross again soon. We, we think they so. will. Thank you. <laughs> I believe that thank they you will. So much.